Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, February the 26th, in the year of our Lord 2024. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we will be taking a look at lesson from the third Sunday in Lent. The first lesson, which we will be examining, is from Exodus chapter 20, 1 to 17. That's the giving of the Ten Commandments. And then the epistle is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 18 to 31. We may do that later in the week. And the gospel is from John chapter 2, 13 to 25. The hymn of the day for the third Sunday in Lent is going to be, May God Bestow on Us His Grace. So what are we going to do with Exodus 20 and the Ten Commandments? Well, what we're going to be looking at is not just the Ten Commandments, but as they are worded, most of the Ten Commandments tell us what we should not do. But God also intended for us to understand them as telling us what we should do. Each one is an example of how we may love God and other people. So let's take a look at each commandment. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. What does that mean that we should do? It means we should fear, respect, love, and trust God to save us and give us everything we need. So we sin against that commandment when we don't trust in him. We may be going through a tough time in our life and wondering, did he fall asleep? Is he taking a vacation? No, God is omnipotent. He is almighty. Therefore, he will always give us what we need. And we need to trust that in whatever situation we are in, God is keeping his promises. The second commandment, thou shalt not take the name of your God in vain. Well, what does that mean that we should do? We should ask God for help whenever we are in trouble. We are to pray to him, we are to praise him, and we are to thank him. See, that's the meaning of Martin Luther's small catechism. So that's what parents should be doing, is teaching their children not only that we should not take God's name in vain, that means for the wrong purpose, but we're to call on his name, to pray to it, to praise him and thank him. How many times does something happen in our life 
that's almost a mini miracle where perhaps we get some funding that we were not looking forward to. It just comes. Or we have health that other people don't have when there's a sickness going around. Do we thank God for that? Or do we take time to worship him? That means to praise him or pray to him, which leads us into the second commandment. And what is the second commandment? Thou shalt remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, the word Sabbath there is not referring to the seventh day of creation, even though that was the rest day for God. That was a Saturday. Sabbath really means a day of rest. And there are many congregations. For example, most of them do have worship on a Sunday. In fact, my home congregation worships four worship services on Sunday morning, two early in the morning, and then two of them at the same time in different locations at 1045. Now, what does this say? Well, that means we should set aside a time every week for worship to hear and learn his word. Now, that can occur on a Sunday, but it also may occur on a Saturday. Or churches have Monday worship services. In fact, most churches also worship on Wednesday during Advent and Lent. And then you have a Monday, Thursday service and a Good Friday service. Uh, the only day that most worship services do not take place on is Tuesday. Although I do know of a congregation in Fort Wayne that actually worships every day, including Tuesday. They have what is called a matin service at the congregation. And I asked the pastor there once, I said, you know, you don't have those many people show up. What happens when it's a really snowy day and people are told not to leave their homes? He says, I still have the worship service. I live next door to the church. And I know that when I worship, the angels are worshiping with me. So they have a worship service seven days a week. The fourth commandment, honor your father and mother. That means we are not to disrespect our parents. But what does it mean? We are to respect them, to love them, and obey mother or father. And parents also are expanded to talk about both the spiritual realm and the civil realm. Parents take care of us 
until we reach a certain age and we come under the direction of the spiritual realm. That would be a pastor teaching us the small catechism. Or it would be a teacher, a Sunday school teacher. Or in the civil realm, it could be authorities, police officers, and all leaders. That is why if we are being followed by a police car and he puts on his red lights, we are to pull over to see what he wants or what he thinks is necessary. That's what the fourth commandment is talking about, to obey those that God has put over us, beginning with parents and leading to civil authorities and spiritual authorities. The fifth commandment, I learned as thou shalt not kill. But I like the new interpretation, the new translation, thou shalt not murder. That means that we are not to take someone's life for whom God has not given us uh, the possibility of taking someone's life. He doesn't give us permission. Does God give us permission to take people's lives? Yes, there are two occasions in war to defend a country. You may need to take the lives of your enemies. And also, in some cases, with civil punishment, where people are hanged, electrocuted, or given poison because of their terrible deeds. But what does it mean that we are to do? We are to protect people from harm. We are to help them. And that may mean we give them necessities like food and clothing and home. In other words, the commandment thou shalt not murder means to help out our neighbors because of our love for Jesus Christ. That's called the life of sanctification, where we are sanctified by the Holy Spirit to take care of our neighbors. The sixth commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, this means that we should not have a sexual activity with those with whom we are not married to. And that would include not only committing adultery, but also fornication, which is sexual activity between two people who are not legally married. So what is what we are to do according to this commandment? We are to save ourselves for marriage. And then during marriage, be true and loving to our spouse. 
That's what thou shalt not commit adultery means in the positive sense. We understand what it means in the negative, but it has a positive item to it. The seventh commandment, you shall not steal. That means we are not to take property that really belongs to someone else. That may occur if you're a student and you steal someone's pen or pencil or take paper from their desk when they're not aware of it. Or when you are a worker, you steal money from your work that you are not entitled to. Or you just go around and steal things, breaking into cars, stealing automobiles, or many other pieces of property. That's what we are not to do. But what does this commandment tell us that we are to do? We are to share and help others care for their property, for their jobs, for their money. So for example, let's say there's an opportunity for a promotion at your place of work, but there's someone else who might be getting the promotion instead of you. It means that you are not to begin a rumor against the person who might get the promotion instead of you, giving negative information to others about them so they don't get a promotion. No, you're supposed to say nothing about that and just allow the employers to decide who is best for that particular promotion. And you help them in their property. Uh, for example, when there's a snowstorm, my wife Louise will often clear the driveway of the lady who lives next to us because she's a little older and the particular pavement that she has, it's easier to clean the snow off of. It doesn't take much time. That would be a way that we can care for others' property. Or you might send your teenage boy out who is cutting your lawn to cut someone else's lawn if they have become sick and can't get out to do that work. Or their jobs. You may know of someone who is unemployed and yet you know of opportunities for them to get a job. And you may tell the employers about that or talk to your neighbor and tell them, well, if you go over to this place, they're looking for the kind of person to work for them with the gifts that you have. That's where you are, therefore caring for property, jobs, money, and not stealing. The Eighth Commandment, 
you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, you may bear false witness against others because you don't like them and you want to have your image more improved before others than the people they think have a good image. So that's the negative. What's the positive about the Eighth Commandment? You should speak out for others when you hear gossip against them. You would assume the best about others, not the worst about them. So you may have a group of people that you hang around with. They may be your friends, you're out for dinner, and someone says, you know, this is what I heard about so-and-so. And when you hear it, you know it's not true. At that dinner table, you should correct that person and say, no, that's false, false gossip. I know that not to be true. And in that way, you would be obeying that eighth commandment, speaking up for others when you hear gossip, assuming the best for them, not the worst. This may occur when an employer sends you a letter and says, we're thinking about hiring so-and-so. What kind of person is he? And you would really give positive things about that person and not negative things, doing the best that you can to help your neighbor get your job. The Ninth and Tenth Commandments have a similar theme. You shall not covet your neighbor's house is the Ninth Commandment. The Tenth Commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor. So what does covet mean? Covet is different than stealing. Covet means you take actions that are not illegal to get somebody else's house or property or anything like that. For example, you may have a neighbor next door and you have a common driveway. It's wide enough for both your cars. He parks on it. Well, late one night, you want to get his car. And so you go out and you put sugar in his gas tank. Well, he goes out to start the car and it won't start. And you come over to him and say, oh, that's a common problem with your car. I know how to fix it. And it's kind of older anyway. I'll be glad to buy it from you. And you offer him a lower price than what it is actually worth. He's happy 
to get rid of a car that's not working and also to get money for it. So he allows you to buy it, but you have coveted it because you have not done something for which you will be arrested, but you have done something for which you can now take it at a lower cost. This also can deal with others that are your neighbors. For example, your neighbor's spouse. You may be interested in having a relationship with, but your neighbor doesn't want a divorce. So you begin a rumor about his spouse or her spouse that is negative to the point where the person with whom you are talking decides no longer to be married and opens up a relationship for you. So anything that is your neighbor's, you should have pure and loving thoughts in your hearts toward what they have, what they own, and not do anything to covet it. To covet it is also a sin by not only thought, but also by deed. And we've given a couple of examples. In fact, all of these commandments can be broken, not just by deed that are wrong and immoral and illegal, but also by thought. You may have thoughts about someone else's spouse that you would like to have a relationship with them. That also is a sin. In fact, is that not the sin that Adam and Eve fell into? The devil came to them and said, boy, God has told you not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because then you will die. But guess what? You won't die. You will become like God and you will know the difference between good and evil. Well, that was a selfish thought that Eve and Adam had. And so they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, even though God had commanded them not to do so. That thought was in and of itself a sin, even before they ate of the fruit because they thought they would be like God. And God had said, no, you will die. So they were in revenge against God, retribution against God, did not believe his word, and had thoughts that were contrary to the word of God. So each of the commandments can be sinned against by thought, word, and deed. But each of the commandments can also be the way we should love God and our neighbor. But that is only possible 
through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is why baptism is so important and reading the word of God to hear where in the word of God can we hear about what we are to do. And that's the life of sanctification, which the Holy Spirit does for us as he comes into our hearts and gives us guidance and also allegiance to God. In fact, every commandment is a breaking of the first commandment because every one of them that we break by thought, word, or deed means we don't fear, love, and trust God to save us and give us everything that we need. We instead say, boy, this is what I really need and may go so far as to commit sin. And this occurs for some people in overindulging in food or drink or gambling or driving. And therefore, they no longer are trusting God to give them what they need. So the point of today is God says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Did you hear that? God already is your God when he makes a covenant with you. You don't obey the commandments so that he becomes your God. You obey the commandments because he is your God and he became your God by dying on the cross, rising from the dead, and giving you the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Join with us tomorrow as we take a look at a hymn that's about the Ten Commandments, how God follows us in all things. I'm Tom Baker. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.